our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. The season has been dead only three days. Only three days and so much has already happened. Amir and Johnny are back. No Matt Candela. He's he's on his holidays. Uh, he's talking to other podcasts to see if he can get a better deal. <laughs> Matt, you won't get a better deal, my friend. This is your home. Um, I'm here with Johnny. Johnny, how you doing? Are you letting the hamstrings have a little bit of a rest? Um, what's been going on in the last three days? Yeah, mate. I'm the kind of guy who, as soon as the last season ends, is training for the next season, okay? You know, I mean, my work is my fun. My fun is my work. Matt Candela, on the other hand, at the opposite end of the scale, this guy's out with Wayne Lineker in Ibiza. You know what I mean? Just giving it large with Jack Grealish. That's, That's what they're about, these guys. Do you know what I mean? They don't know whether they're playing a match or having a party. Me, I don't stop working. I'm just, you know driven to to keep honing my craft like a young Muhammad El Nene. You know what I mean? Humble and bearing fruit in later life. That's how I would describe myself right now. That's on my t- Tinder bio. <laughs> you, are, you, you are as boring as James Milner. And that says it all. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so what, what kind of... Um, how would you describe yourself at the end of the season if if we are doing the player analogy? I um I'm I'm in a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a low ebb. I'm I'm 37 years old. My contract has just expired. Um, I don't know I don't know whether to go into presenting. I don't know whether to start up a crypto ETF. I don't know whether to join Michael Owen and get an NFT set going out there. I'm, I feel a little bit lost right now, and it's weird being on this podcast when there isn't some sort of intense conversation. Like we've been programmed to come on here with like adrenaline levels up here, and it's just a bit weird. It's just like it just feels very normal at the moment. Um, but yeah. I know that there's a few things on the schedule that can spice things up, but it's uh, it's a bit odd when you get out of the season and it's like, ah, where am I? What is yeah, this? we are we are coming. I mean, people are so used to seeing us. 
on and doing an on the whistle pod. Like, if it's basically like having a, a camera stuck in your face the moment you walk out a nightclub and you start asking asking them to talk about their you know their love life, and you know there's going to be some effing and jeffing, and they are going to talk about you know maybe they'll fall to their knees shouting Tracy to the sky. Um, there's going to be passion. That's what we're used to dealing with, and. You know, without that on the whistle to bounce off, we're we're chilled out, chilled out guys, aren't we? We are chilled out dudes, and that and it just exudes from us. It's like a, some sort of Marvel comic line. It's like I've I've been fighting all season, and now I have nothing to fight. <laughs> Apart from you, maybe maybe we can have a fight about William Saliba today or something. Spice it up. Yeah, indeed. Right, let's jump we, in. Okay, we let's are. Jump in. Doing a midweek Arsenal Opinion podcast. Thanks for everyone who's listening and a particular thanks to everyone who's tuned in today. Um, we are going straight in, Pete, with, we kind of alluded to it, but we want to maintain the format and it's going to be hottest takes post-season, okay? So the season is done now and it's, we, we've discussed the fact that it's more of a lukewarm take now. You know, we've we've allowed the bath water to cool. Um, and now when... When the when the season is over and 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 the calm has has engulfed us, how do you feel at this stage about the way that the season ended for Arsenal? Deeply pragmatic, deeply pragmatic. You know, there are, you can hold a few ideas in your head at the same time. You can say Arsenal in the end blew top four, and you. There are a number of reasons why that happened. But when it came down to it, a bunch of young players lost their nerve right at the end of the season. But then when you look at the points total, um, you look at the the age of the squad, you look at the XG that we're producing, you look at us having two of the top five creators in the Premier League, both under the age of 23. The next next oldest in that list is uh, like 27 years old. And you look at the clarity and the problems that we've got. I think there's, I think there's reasons to believe. And now the onus is on Arteta and Edu to have a summer as good as they had last year. Because if they do the same in attack, then I think we're a top four side next season. So I'm, I'm deflated, but I, I, I can live with it. Yeah. See, for me, um, I do. I kind of look at it as people might have. Um, oh. Was my, my mic was muted, but I'm going to jump back into it. Um, so, yeah, I kind of look at it a bit differently in the sense that overall, I think that um, there is a calm that is engulfing not just myself, but a lot of Arsenal fans in the sense that you kind of hinted at it, but a lot of our major things are settled, whether you're happy about it or not. Arteta's just signed a contract. He's not going anywhere. You know, whether you think that Arteta should be sacked today, it's not going to happen. And he, unless you are kind of entrenched on your position on Arteta, um, you know, you would not look at this season as being a, a shambolic failure. It isn't. It's not that. It clearly has not been a shambolic failure. Has it been a success? Well, different people see things different ways, but I certainly wouldn't say it's been a huge success. I'd say it's been good. It, there, there is a, you know, there's been improvements but I would put them in a moderate uh, improvement camps. Like some of them have been, seem seem like they've been dramatic, but it's been somewhat counteracted by some of the things that have either stagnated or 
actually got worse, like our attacking output pre-Eddie. You know, the likes of Lacazette, we know now that that just has to come to an end now. There's, there's no future with it. Um, yeah. So I think that there is a calmness that comes from knowing your fate. And at this stage, I, I also believe that the judgments that will come to bear on Arteta, i.e. from next season, which he has now got promised, everyone seems to know. Even ardent fans of Arteta or, 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 you know, and stalwarts of his, like yourself, have said and accepted, if we don't get top four next year, at 100%, get your bags F off out the door. Not good enough. We're not doing another fifth, fifth place. You know, there are some that will will stretch numbers or, you know, or, or put different lenses on things and look at this season and tell you about the improvements, of which I concede there are some. But I think if you go fifth in the manner that we got fifth this year and back it up with a fifth or worse next year, outside of a dramatic, you know, we win the Europa, for instance, I don't think you can keep selling people that as being, you know, anything, anything virgin on real progress and at that point we have to start looking around and think that other people given the amount of time that Arteta would have had at that point three and a half seasons um would not be at least getting us into top four with the amount of money that we spent and some of the young players that he's had available so yeah I guess there is a calm that comes with clarity at this stage now Pete yeah and it's um we're on target like the, the however you want to cut it, the target was Europe this season. Uh, we've got Europe, like what, like two points off top four, with the youngest team to ever get that high, is 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 pretty decent. And I'm 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 thankful that it ended the way that it ended because you don't get um, you, you get a bit more ruthlessness in the system when it ends that way. You know, if it had been a glorious failure, maybe it would have kept Nuno Tavares on for another season um maybe we give Lacazette a, a new deal and I, I think the I, th- I think that it, it's pretty clear where we need to make adjustments and I think Arteta is going to make those adjustments and you're right like I, you can't you can't keep on bubbling along between eighth and fifth there has to be a, a jump next season and he's going to be held accountable to it because he's got his own players he probably would have spent 300 million pounds and we have the players to make top four this season. I mean, we had them this season if they weren't injured, let's be honest. The difference between Arsenal and Spurs really was that Harry Kane and Son, who are 28 and 29 years old and quite injury prone, um, they played 35 games and 37 games between them. Our best players, Kieran Tierney, uh, Thomas Partey and Tommy Asu, were injured all season. Not they were injured for at least half the season. So we've got to, we've got to address those problems, and I think it's going to be complex. But part of the hottest take also has to be there is some good news coming out of the club, which I'm sure we're going to get onto. Yes, indeed. You mentioned you mentioned Pete that um, one of Arteta's lack of excuses, if you like, will be that he has his own players, and I'm not sure that there is a player, really, who embodies more of being an Arteta player these days than the main man himself, Mohamed Elneny. And we hear today of the... I'm not gonna, I'm not even going to put a prefix to it. I'm not going to give an adjective to it. Elneny has signed a contract. There we go. And he's got, he's got his... Pete, Pete's come out here and shown what he was working on before the podcast went live with a wonderful little slide here. And uh, for 
for those not watching on a visual medium, it's got a picture of a smiling Mohamed Elneny, not cropped to fit the screen, but that was Pete rushing. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up, mate. Um, overall, it's happy vibes. Would you agree? Is that is that what this makes us feel like with Elneny signing the contract? I think Arsenal fans sometimes lack a bit of maturity when assessing um, who signs and who doesn't sign. Mobile Nenny is 29 years old. Um, he's an international. He's brilliant behind the scenes with the young players. And he is perfectly happy to play 800 minutes a season. Just wants to be at Arsenal. And I, I did a little bit of uh, a simple maths earlier. If like, Here's the thing. If Moel Nenny had played Brighton, Crystal Palace or Southampton we would have come out of those games with more than zero points. Moel Nenny came into the side, played seven games, won five. Um, we went away to Stamford Bridge. Haven't done that. You know, that's not a regular occurrence to win there. Beat Man United, beat West Ham, who were, you know, very competitive in that game. And then the only two games that he lost, Newcastle, and I don't think we can pin that on Moel Nenny. I think that was more a, you know, defensive issue. And Spurs, and we went down to 10 men. Moe Nenny in the Newcastle game made the most progressive passes in the entire team. So I think if he's happy to play fourth or fifth midfielder this season, I think he'll be useful. I think he can do a job in the Europa League and he won't be the only midfield signing. He's just there as an emergency backup. And uh, like, why, why would you get rid of him? Who, who are you going to bring in that's going to be happy to take 800 minutes a season? Max, really. Um, so I think save the money for the important positions where we really do need to get um, new backups. So um, I don't think Moeno needs a problem. I think this is a decent signing and it, it doesn't cost as much to keep him there for a, for an extra year with the potential of a, another year extension. What do you think? I, do you know what? I, I'm, I've got to say, it, uh, as doesn't always happen with us, I'm in complete agreement. Um, I know, see, one of the things that I would explain this situation as, is that for the people that I believe are upset with El Nenny signing, it's not because El Nenny himself has signed, like, you know, as a player, it's what he represents. And rather similarly to the way that Granite Xhaka, I think, represents stagnation or even regression within the Arsenal squad. He has been a a totem, a, a poster boy for it, because they're one of the most significant players Within this, within new setups, and they always seem to be in and around teams that just don't have enough to get over the line. Um, as I say, Xhaka probably more exemplifies it, but El Nenny, for those big games that he's come in, and he's just shown at times during his tenure at Arsenal that he's just not quite an elite player. But that should not change the fact that you can judge him based on what he actually does. And if Arsenal signed him and said, right, five-year deal, El Nenny starting for, for the club for the next five years, I'd be as angry as anyone. But that's not what they're saying. He has come in and performed admirably whilst he come in, um, considering the drop that some of us were fearing would have happened yeah. when Party was injured um, uh, 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 and then later replaced by El Nenny. What some people were worrying that the levels of play might sink to is quite staggering compared to what it actually was, which was you know, there were games, let's be honest, it felt like we didn't even miss party because El Nenny was running teams and it was lovely to watch. Um, so for the, you know, the cost of what it would uh, take in terms of a transfer fee trying to replace a player like this, 
inbuilt in their wages if we were trying to sign a free agent um, and the signing on fees. We've been down this road. Obviously, at this stage, El Nenny, even though he's been kind of a squad player for us for a while, he's an Egyptian international who's played at all levels. You know, he knows what it means. He's played in Camp Nou, scored a screamer out there. You know, he can play at any level, but he's also willing to do those, you know, gritty squad roles where you are coming in for four games at a time, you know, and just trying not to let the standards drop. And obviously the opportunity will always be there if you've got a player who can develop at the later, at the tail end of his career into something better than what he had previously shown, then why not, you know, give him an opportunity to start more games? I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, but that's why this is such a good signing because we don't really owe him anything more than what we've already given him. And if he can give us what he already gave us last year, it's a sound investment and a solid signing. Yeah, and I, I don't know what your take is on this, Johnny, but we tend to never look at a player over the age of 25 and judge whether they've improved. And I, I genuinely think Moe Nenny is a better player this season. It, like you, you cannot doubt that the crab passer has started to find a bit, a bit of verticality in his game. He's in the 99th percentile for pass completion. And I know he's not massively ambitious, but I can remember a, a, a few beautiful balls that oh, yeah. he played from deep this season. So I think he's got better. I think he executes a tactical plan cleanly. And it takes us it takes a certain type of character to just be ready. Because they yeah. don't because like you say, he doesn't he just likes being at Arsenal. He likes the prestige of being at the club. Seems like he's a bit of a fan. He's always smiling. And I, I think there's um some real benefit uh, to that. Well, what what is also not as discussed is you know, history remembers the superstars, but they don't always remember the comments that fly in the stars' wake, you know. And if we think about our greatest legacy achievements in terms of the club, you're thinking about the Invincibles, you're thinking about the doubles that we've put together, the league triumphs. Everyone can talk about a Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry, but not many mention Jules Grimondi. Do you know what I mean? Not many people mention Oleg Luzhny. <laughs> people who just come in for four or five games and do you a solid and then they're off, you know what I mean? And they become, they get some kind of club legend. But, you know, I, I, I'm not even being playful here. There are simply, there is a simple need and necessity for certain squad players who can come in and their key is just not to let the standards drop by that much. And there is nothing to say that Moel Nenny couldn't do that to a very high standard because, as you say, I think he's improved. I do think he's improved. And I think part of that has come from the fact that he seems to play with in a less panicked fashion for me now. I know, obviously, he used to do crab passing. But that, for me, was it, it demonstrated how timid he used to be on the ball. He didn't want to lose the ball. So he ended up playing very conservative and um, reserved, which Arsenal fans used to pull, pull their hair out over because we could be losing 1-0 in the 89th minute and El Nenny's still passing it side, passing it side. And you're like, you just, you've just, you know, there's just nothing there from you, mate. Just hollow. You know, you're, you're a robot. And now the robot has gained sentiency and he is, he is doing things for himself. And, he, and he's starting to back himself through being a bit more, um, a bit more uh, confident in himself. And, uh, and that comes probably from the confidence that have been shown in him. So 
I, I think it was absolutely the right thing to sign him. And I think that, um, you know, we are, we're going to benefit from that, basically. Yeah, now, and I was, I was just trying to think of um, players outside of, like you have Remy Gar, who looked after Patrick Vieira when he first came at the club, but he was like the eldest statesman. Um, Nelson Vivas, uh, you'd like to say Gilles Grimondi, but United had a few grubby players. Um, Don O'Shea always used to play at Highbury, always used to put one on us. Yeah. Uh, like th- th- I think I think outside of City and you know, and actually like even look at Liverpool's midfield. You know, they've got a, a core set of midfielders in there, but not not everybody can slip into the side and replicate what Thiago can do. I mean, they're going to have to see, you know, who, who can do what he does on Sunday. But I think um, simple squad player, as long as we are bolstering out the rest of the midfield, I think that this is just a simple signing because you honestly, you you, you have to spend 15 million to replace a player like Mo Nene, And then you have to be like, we're going to spend 15 million on you, but you're not going to play. Is that all right? And I, I, ju- I just don't see whether that's, uh, I don't know whether that's right. And also if you sign a young player, that with high potential, they can't come in and do the job from the off because they don't, you know, don't have the experience of jumpy back with and false start sort of thing. I love that. That I love that he's a he's a company man. <laughs> love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Company. He, he is. You know, if if Arsenal was a school, Moel Nenny would be milk monitor. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's going round, <laughs> giving, handing out people their milk and. Getting a badge every week from Mikel Arteta and a little a hair ruffle, uh, and that's enough for him, and that, that's wonderful. And every as we've discussed, every club needs people like that. Now, um, whilst we are talking about El Nenny signing a contract, it is now time to move on to another potential contract signing, uh, player signing, uh, renewing their contract, I should say, and that comes. Yes, in the form, you have put the uh, picture up there. It's none other than Eddie and Ketia with the Freddy Krueger claw. Are we are we going there? Is that are we? Uh, let's, let's, let, let's let's start on that because there's been no denial, and yep. somebody said that Saka after the Leeds game and the goals that Eddie scored, Saka went up to him and did the same thing. So yep. they've either discovered a bear documentary that they really like. Or they're paying attention to the internet, and maybe, just maybe, I mean, it's it's that's Eddie Kruger. There's no way around it, right? If he was doing two hands, I'd be like, "What you you know? What's going on here, Pete? We're we're, we're smelling our own farts. We're getting too gassed." We but are. the reality is, is it's one hand. It looks awfully Eddie Kruger like, um, and you know sometimes. Players need to reinvent themselves. They need to create a, a character, uh, you know, a, um, a, a second identity that they can embody to get the best out of themselves. Zlatan almost, you know, super, hum- super amplifies his abilities like he is some kind of superhero. And obviously... Beyonce, to- Beyonce is Sasha Fierce when she's on the stage. Of course she is, and I'm I'm pleased that that was your first reference point. Uh, big Beyonce fan, and you, you should be proud of it. Yes. Um, you know, I li- liked her in Destiny's Child. She's gone downhill since. Um, but in general, we are, and in, I don't think it's too much to say at this stage. Eddie and Ketia, if you have not, we're putting this out there now. If you if you are not doing an Eddie Kruger claw, it is your duty. It is incumbent on you 
to to go live with some kind of social post and tell us that we're wrong. Otherwise, we know that you have access to the Arsenal Opinion podcast. And I want to be the first one to say that I am sorry for calling you League One Eddie for a while, okay? Eddie Kruger works a lot better. You know, I mean, you're banging goals now, mate. And we're wondering whether you are going to sign a contract and be a future... You know, Arsenal striker moving forwards. They're talking about five years, Pete. What What are you saying? I think that this is a really, really smart deal. And this is just another example. It's like, don't spend money you don't need to spend. And we spent money on Cedric. We didn't need to spend money on Cedric. Ainsley could have been our backup right back. And I'm sure he wishes that he was right now. Uh, buying a backup striker even from Austria, is a 25 million expense that we don't need. And there's no guarantees. I know everybody gets super excited about players from Europe and this kid doing it in this league, but the Premier League is is very, very different. We've got a 22-year-old striker. His stats on uh, FB Ref look absolutely incredible. Like he's compared to like Kai Havertz, Diego Jota. Um, he's scored five goals in eight appearances. He looks fit. He looks ready. He's doing all the bits that Lacazette uh, was offering. You know, his link-up play has been brilliant. Like, he's right up there with um, part, with his past completion rate. And I think he's got end product. So I think it's a, I think it's a good signing. And he's going to get games next year. There's Europa League. There's cup runs. Um, he's going to be really needed. And I would love it if we signed Tammy Abrahams because uh, I think they were in the England under-21s together. And having two English strikers going into next season would be pretty exciting. But, yeah, I'm I, I'm excited. It's a sensible move. And worst-case scenario, if he doesn't get what he wants, he can go next season because someone is always going to want to sign a player of that calibre, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say as well, we've talked about um, Tammy Abraham. The thing, the thing is, is I think if we sign, say, a Gabriel Jesus, who's been doing it for, you know, still a young player, but he's been doing it for a longer time. He feels like he's been at City, City for ages, won multiple league titles. Uh, and obviously, Tammy Abraham has been on loan to a few Premier League clubs. He scored goals at different clubs and he's um, played with Chelsea and they've won things. But I feel like if you brought Tammy Abraham back, Eddie would be much less likely to show deference to Tammy Abraham and be like, oh, yeah, you're the first-choice striker that we somewhat, as Arsenal fans, are craving right now. Um, Because I think there's a lot less resistance to the idea of Eddie being, particularly the way the season ended, Eddie being our backup striker, someone who's going to get a number of games next year and also will have eyes on maybe usurping the new first-choice striker, through good play on the pitch. Obviously, if Eddie's scoring every game or every other game for that matter, he's probably going to end up starting in the in the league as well and in the big games because that's all we need. No one's got, you know, their eye out for Eddie to try and stop him. If you deliver on the pitch, you're going to get your opportunities. But part of what he needs to do is showcase, you know, because strikers is such an interesting position because some really, really good proponents of the position rely on ultimate attributes. So they'll be really fast uh, strikers who can just rely on their pace, creating opportunities from the apex being probably Kylian Mbappe at this stage. Um, there are some that are just physical beasts, like strength-wise, even Haaland's a more recent one, Lewandowski. Harry Kane does it, awful guy. 
Um, but, you know, I don't really see those attributes within Eddie, that he has physical attributes that would set the rest of Europe talking. He's fast, but he's not rapid. He's strong, but he's not, like, bowling people over. And I think that if he does have a special power, if you like, it's got to be that clinical edge that he showed at younger levels of football and at the England under-21s. And he's also got to start scoring, not kind of just because it will make us feel better, but different types of goals. Because you've got to um, get a variety of goals if you're going to be a... um, you know, if you're going to be a mass goal scorer, um, a goal scorer, yeah, you know, to the kind of levels that we need, um, he's going to have to try and find goals coming, some going in off his arse, some of them are going to have to be, you know, kind of rude Van Nistelrooy, like every now and then there's a curler going in, there's some headers, it's a wide variety would get him the number of goals that we would need to see him, you know, start evolving into being a, a first choice. So, I definitely think it's a no-brainer to sign him as long as the contract wages are not obscene. But I don't really think that that's necessarily the issue that he was ever pushing for. He's not asking for 200 grand a week. And I do think that if it is around 100, 120 at this stage, it's our best option. It's certainly not going to cost us more by replacing him. And so, you know, it seems like an open goal for Arsenal again because of um, missing out on Champions League. And if, as, as The Athletic have reported, he has somewhat softened to the idea of staying, then I think we need to be all over it. I, I agree. And just to serve up some of my concerns with the Gabriel Jesus signing, I, I know that this is over a small sample size, but um, this is, uh, we've got, a, you know, if you're listening, we've got an Orbino stat and it's, it's Inquietia versus Gabriel Jesus. Manchester City want £55 million for Gabriel Jesus. And I know that Gabriel is a winner, but we need goals in this side. Um, Gabriel Jesus got eight goals in the Premier League this season. Eddie got five. Um, Eddie got five goals off 4.4 XG. Um, Jesus got his off 10.8 XG. Eddie gets a goal every 165 minutes. Jesus, 235 minutes. Eddie's shot conversion is 17.2% versus 12.5%. And I know that those things can change at a different club. But Gabriel Jesus is at the Ritz when it comes to chance creation. There's no better club to be at if you're a striker and he struggles to score goals. Eddie is not at the same situation. We know that he's got a history of just putting things on target and putting them in the goal. And I I, I, I don't want to be he's a better bet than Gabriel Jesus. But £55 million feels like we could spend it I think we could spend it better. I honestly think we could spend it better. I don't like the idea that we're signing someone that has struggled for goals in the most elite creative system that has ever existed in football. And the fact that that Eddie's got a better record in eight games than Gabriel has over an entire season says a lot. And the fact that Manchester City are signing Haaland over Jesus, I know different worlds that are living in, but I've watched City a few times this season and I know that they won the league but they have these moments where they don't have a target man. And that's why they've signed Haaland. They have moments where they can't break through despite all of their possession. And I just worry that you know Arsenal don't have the same levels that Manchester City have to just power their way through. And I, I think uh, like you maybe lose a bit of Jesus' power when he comes to Arsenal. So I'm happy that we've got a similar sort of player in Eddie Nketiah. And I hope that our second striker, to complement him, has 
completely different attributes so we don't end up being the small team, kind of like we were on the latter years Wenger. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent know what you mean. And we are kind of going to move that on at the moment because um, you've kind of dipped into it anyway, into the potential new first choice striker, at least on paper, that we may be picking up. So there has been news. Um, Goal.com has reported that Osamen, um, his agent, flew to London last week to discuss with Edu about a potential move. I mean, hearing it from Goal.com is kind of like asking your toddler whether or not they ate the empty chocolate bar wrapper, uh, ate the chocolate there, and when they say no, you know, it's like believing them. But on the same note, we're optimistic believers, aren't we? We we try to look for the best in everyone, and maybe Goal.com got this right on their dartboard where they're throwing um, stories that they're making up at the moment. They Maybe they did get this right. And Osserman is a... Well, we, we know that he is at least one of the... Uh, his name gets mentioned far too much for it to be a complete no story. I think he is one of the potential targets, whether or not his agent was here is another thing. And I thought it's interesting to talk about both of them in conjunction, him and Jesus, because the point you make... I think is um, a good one in the sense that whilst we are clearly trying to recruit our next first choice striker, I would feel much less confident in signing a striker that is not like for like with Jesus, but they're similar in terms of their profiles, in terms of the way that they play. The upside being that if that first choice striker was out, we don't have to dramatically change our style of play. We have another um, player to step up and continue the style of play and all the other players can largely, you know, keep doing what they're doing. So continuity, it's a benefit. However, one of the things that we have lacked over recent years is anything that resembles a plan B. And, you know, clearly Arteta has a way that he wants to play, but there are some moments, clearly we saw some big games towards the end of the season where having another way of getting it done at the top of the field, top end of the field, would have really, really helped us out. I've talked about the name Darwin Nunes. That would settle my nerves a lot more, having someone who's big, strong and bullish up front, but also incredibly clinical. And then to have that complemented by an Eddie Nketiah, who is far quicker, potentially, you know, more of a, a fox in a box poacher. And they could even play in tandem. Whereas Jesus and Nketiah, I'm not saying it can't work, but I'm saying that I'm not sure it jumps off the page at me that it would work with them in, them in tandem. So it's like it's one or the other, and they would largely be doing the same thing, I think. Even though I'd know that you pulled out Jesus's scoring stats from this year. In past years, it's been a little bit better, double figures on a few occasions. Um, but I also want to talk about the fact that even within these potential signings, we have to look at sometimes. <laughs> Because now we've got the full season um, to be able to reflect back on. We look at some of the transfer dealings we did last summer and some of our initial reactions to it. Now, if you remember, it's gone, it's gone like a roller coaster all season. I initially said at the time, I thought that Ben White was overpriced for 50 million. I thought that he was a good player, but he didn't look to me like a 50 million pound defender. And if we take money from 
and put it into Ben White, we'll struggle to put it into other areas. For me, I've been 100% proved right. Ben White does not look like a £50 million player. He is a good player. Um, and I do think we could find that we could improve upon him. But he doesn't look like he is a your number one starting defender for the next five years, in my opinion. That's where we're at at the moment. Aaron Ramsdale, I called into question. And obviously, I was the first one to swallow my words. And I still am a Ramsdalian. But if you actually look at some of what I was saying um, in the summer, that I was worried about um, his kind of concentration traits. And, and obviously, he's been a part of a number of relegated teams. And would that come back to bite us? Well, I think apart from what, what we have seen, what I would say would not go back is... Some of Ramsdale's highs have been absolutely superb that I didn't even expect that he was capable of them. His, his ability with the ball is far better than what I gave him credit for. And so that won't go back. But obviously, in recent games, towards the end of the season, looking far more shaky. And I'm only saying this because sometimes I believe that your initial response to something, it may go on a, little, a lot of different paths and little weavy bendy roads to get there but your initial judgment can often bear bear through bear to be true you know and I think that that somewhat has happened with some of the players last year even though it still was a success and I do think that right now if we're saying that we you know we like the profile of Jesus in terms of where he's coming from but we're worried about the lack of size and how that fits into the way that we play you know we're not just being a bit kind of short-sighted we probably will end up going that way. Yeah, I I I agree with I agree with what you're saying. It, listen, if you if you give me 10 million pound for a house, I might see a house that doesn't have a swimming pool that's really nice, but if I can afford a house with a swimming pool, I should probably buy a house with a swimming pool. And I feel like it's the, it's the same with the striker. If you got if you got 60 million pounds to spend on a striker, and you've got you've signed all of these expensive players that can ping high balls from sixty yards into a box. Why would you sign a striker that was five foot ten? Doesn't matter how 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 good he is. You are losing um, a tactical opportunity. And Ossiman might not be as good with the ball at his feet as Gabriel Jesus, but he's a bully. He runs the lines. Um, he scores some absolutely fantastic goals. He's still really young. He seems pretty robust um, as a player. Osiman is is the is the player that Chelsea always signed. Yeah, oh, he's the, he's the player that lives in our nightmares for for five seasons, and he scores twenty five goals. He always a bit jealous. Like, why did why did Chelsea get him? Why did United have that player? I wish that we had a, a horrible uh, angular striker that caused defenses nightmares in every game you know the fact that we're looking at um uh was it callum what's his name for newcastle callum wilson uh, callum, watching callum wilson cause us problems that our strikers don't really cause uh in games was was depressing and like we need a striker that can occupy defenders i don't think that's gabriel jesus and the fact that gabriel jesus scored eight goals and he scored like four of them in in one game tells you that you need a graph or you need to talk about XG to sell him to me. For 55 million, I want to see goals. I want to see a bully. I want to see pace. I want to see power. And it's it's Osiman all day because I, I think for, for the return that you get with Jesus, you're going to get that from Eddie Nketiah this season. And I see people saying, um, 
he's not Premier League standard, Eddie. It's like, are we still on that vibe? I mean, Arsenal fans losing their minds. You've got 22-year-old striker that isn't supposed to be the full package, but rotating in and out, having having a little and large option, it sounds basic, um, but I think that's what Arsenal were looking for. And just remember, we threw 65 million at Vlahovic in the summer. We were interested in Isak uh, last season. We were interested in Abraham last season. Tall, rangy strikers that occupy defenders that will cause an aerial threat. And we know that Arteta likes an aerial threat because he, he has it in his defenders. It's got, you know, the two fullbacks that he, he signed last summer, six foot plus. One of them can play centre-back. So I think that I think that Arsenal are flooding the ether with lots of rumours. And I think this Gabriel Jesus thing is probably going to end up with him signing a new deal with City. Um, I think that's what he ideally wants. I just don't know where our money's going to go. And, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's put his name forward. Osserman's put his name forward. It's, it's a good project. And, you know, Arsenal will have a presentation deck that says this is what a tall striker in our system could expect from a chance creation perspective this season. And this is how many goals we think you're going to get based on our own data. And I think that a lot of strikers will see the opportunity at Arsenal because they'll see you're very close to being a Champions League side and I'd like to be in it at the ground level. So it's interesting you say that and we are, we are going to move on because we all know there's been another explosive subject this week in the Arsenal world um, and we better get ourselves onto that and make sure we clear the decks for that. But before we do move on and we're still talking about the whole striker issue, Jack Laguna, watcher and fan of the pod, he, he kind of launched a question and he said that if we don't sign um, a big bully striker and we are left with, say, Jesus and Eddie, do you think that would in turn lead to a change of um, approach tactically for Marteta, certainly not whipping the ball into the box all the time to strikers that are clearly not as dangerous with their head, for instance? So do we think that, that having small strikers would lead to a change in tactics? Yeah. It has to, doesn't it? I mean, you can't rely on Gabriel Jesus banging in headers. But, you know, you watch City and they don't have any height in their front line and they bang in crosses to small strikers all game. I guess because those high balls aren't always for headers. They're quite often for cutbacks. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and this is my worry, though. It's like if you if you can't break through on the ground... Um, what do you, what do you do? And Gabriel Jesus couldn't do it and hasn't done it all season. So they've signed Haaland. I just I just hope that Arteta is like ahead of the curve on that, and that's why Osman is going to be more likely. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm going to use this opportunity to change the subject now because <laughs> certainly one of the biggest issues facing Arsenal is scoring goals. Um, you know, we we know that we have to re up on that position in our team. But one of the ways that we could bridge the gap between where we finished and our targets next season are shoring up a defence that looked good for most of the season and then had a few shaky games towards the end. And uh, one player that there's no question will be shoring up this defence, Pete, no question at all, is none other than Big Bill Saliba, a man who still has got his footballing uh, registration locked in a safe at the Emirates. You're not having it. Um, and this week, um, this week, Arteta 
has taken to the interview room to clear up his stance on what is still, I believe, the most contentious issue in Arsenal fandom right now. And that is the Saliba Ultra's very noble um, plea to get William Saliba tied down and committed to returning to Arsenal next season. And Arteta had a few things to say, didn't he, Pete? Uh, let's go for it. I think we're going to make you read this, Johnny, because you didn't believe this moment was coming. Uh, send to yourself and uh, let's let's hear what Mikel Arteta had to say about uh, the return of the great William Saliba. He has to come back. He has the experience and the necessary environment to be competitive with us. If he had stayed with us this year with one Premier League game a week with Ben White and Gabriel, he wouldn't have had half the game time he had with Marseille, that's for sure. In terms of his growth and what he could do next year, it wouldn't have been good. William wasn't with us because he wouldn't have had the playing time required to gain experience. That's it. Nothing else. Done. That's what Arteta said. He went full cockney. Full cockney he did. How, how, how do you feel about it now? Like, how do you feel about the end? Do you think that the energy that you expended on this resulted in that press release? Do you think that you and the Saliba Ultras have actually rattled him in the same way that those those mafia guys rattled Steven Gerrard back in the day? Do you feel like you've had an influence on this? Is that what are you guys gonna like? Are you gonna have it on your t shirts next season? What what was yeah, I mean- what, what's the feeling? I mean, we don't. And what have, and what make... have we learned here? And what have we learned here as well? There must be a learning. Um, right. Well, there's a couple of things actually. Um, namely, you know, us Saliba Ultras, we don't need to threaten anyone. We'll just turn up on your street corner all wearing Saliba t shirts. You know, I mean, not saying anything, but we're ominous because there's a lot of us and we're united. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, the name travels further than the face for us Ultras. Arteta's heard about us. He's heard that something's building and he wants to stop a kind of Game of Thrones rebellion. You know, he's sitting there like Joffrey Targaryen as the King of the North, William. He's got an he's an heir to the crown and we want him back. We we need him back. I think that he is, you know, I, I, I waxed lyrical about him uh, on the podcast, on the, on, the, on the Whistle podcast the other day and how significant I believe he can be as a player. That hasn't changed. And when we dig into these um, quotes, I think that there's, of course, some comfort to be drawn in the fact that, and and this is it, because some people rightfully came out and responded in a way that I I somewhat agree. It's like, great, this is what Arteta thinks. But the whole issue is that there are two, you know, sides of this story or two sides of the debate, if you will. And it's all well and good Arteta saying, oh, we want you back. If Saliba goes, I don't want to come back because... You've wronged me, which by all rights is still on the cards in terms of Saliba harbouring some resentment still. However, and I do think that if Saliba was like, I'm kicking off, I'm not going to play for you, I don't want to, I think Arsenal would bottle it and say, all right, well, you've got to go. We just want committed players, even though we created this situation. Um, so I don't buy half of Arteta's, you know, um, d- dismissal of his... his um, plan for Saliba has as come into fruition now. If Saliba doesn't sign, then it's a bullshit plan that's fucked up. As simple as that. And that's the ultra stance. Um, however, what I do think that it does show, and which, I, which I'm really pleased about, is 
what we could not have was Arteta just letting this, you know, this this void get filled by other people talking about it. At the end of the day, he had to come out and make his position clear with Saliba. Whether or not Saliba's even had a phone call in private with him, we don't know. But the fact is, is Arteta has come out and said that you, we want you to come back. You've shown that you've been a top player this year and we're impressed by you, by you and we want to get you back into the fold, reintegrate you. Um, and so I hope that in Saliba's mind, the the bridges have not been burned and he can see that for what I believe Arteta means it to be, which is somewhat a compliment of his fantastic season and the fact that he is certainly part of the plan. But I, I just still question whether Saliba almost feels like he needs an apology, if you like, for what happened this season. Oh I, I'm not sure God. I'm not sure he's going to get apology. one. But I mean, yeah, I mean, look, you gave me a squad number and you took it off me a week late and signed my report, you know, that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, what I said the other day is I would like Arteta to learn from his mistakes as well and realise that we know there's been a number of occasions where he's handled the player management aspect of his job really poorly. He's, He's pissed a lot of players off. It hasn't always been sensible management from him, whether you whether you're a big fan of his or not. And I think that there are ways that you can get what you want without always being the tyrant about things. And so, and also players who might have felt a bit affronted um, by you treating them poorly are not, not bought into the project or are not, um, you know, being deaverish or not bought in. Sometimes it's just like it's basic levels of respect. And I hope Arteta is learning that as well. Um, because I think that, as I say, this, this, particular issue this particular player could end up being era defining so let's hope it gets done so here's where where i definitely will agree with you arteta fucked this situation up this was handled badly there was some sort of weird ego are you leaving are you are you tapping out um there was um there, there was some weirdness about the situation but but he, here's what here's what is important to young players minutes. I don't think there is uh, um, I don't think there is a, uh, anybody that could say that he didn't have an absolutely exceptional loan period. He played four and a half thousand minutes. He had some amazing moments uh, with those fans. He got to live in the south of France um, for a year, and he got an international call up. The loan for development purposes was an absolute blowout success. Um, and here's the other thing young players like cash. They like money. They like prestige. They like living in big, major cities. He's coming back to London. He supports Arsenal. He's going to get a big, fat bump in his paycheck, it, and he's going to be confident. Now he's got receipts. I did this for four and a half thousand minutes in Marseille. We got Champions League. Put me in the side. And I think that combination is like the aroma of that combination must smell so sweet to him because he didn't let his head drop. He learned a lot. Um, he picked himself up and he delivered. And I, I think you're right. I think I think there is no way that he's not displacing Ben White the way that he's been playing this season. So I think um, I think he's more likely to sign a deal now than I think he would have been if he'd played 15 games for Arsenal this season. So I, I think it will work out win-win. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the side next season. But then 
you've gone so hard at him. I tell you, if he has a few bad games, Johnny, <laughs> these the Saliba outs are going to be on your case. Like you, you have you have put a career on this opinion. Your, I know. Your, your talent ID is going to be so on the line, so on the line. And all these little commenters, every time he makes a mistake or he scuffs a pass, people are going to be in your DMs. Hey, Johnny, what's this? What's this? I, we didn't sign up for this. We paid you subs. You promised. <laughs> Do you know what? You're so right. I, I am. I am. I'm willing to put my name on it. I, you know, we live When it's an abstract notion, it's easy. But then when they were like, Eddie's in the side, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling the big man now, let me tell you. I know. You were also like, get Arteta in the job. So, you know, and that one's still rolling. That one's still rolling. So you're still live on... A few pretty good on that one, though. That yeah, yeah, so bad. yeah. So um, now, but obviously, yeah. Uh, look, you know, I spoke a little bit out of turn in saying that I'm expecting Saliba might want an apology. That's not. I'm not talking about an explicit apology. I just, I'm talking about <laughs> a softening of the tone. Like, I don't. If Arteta comes in bullish like he was last year, I think this goes south very quickly. And Arteta needs to start developing on that front. This is what I mean more than anything else. Some of the people who still choose to somewhat blame Saliba over this situation developing, I find it bizarre. And I think that it's better for us as fans to look at what we do know in the sense that we have a manager who hasn't, like a lot of managers, hasn't always got it right with the tone that he has cut with regards to his players and managing managing them and managing their egos. And I'd like to see some development on that front. And that would certainly be embodied by, you know, Smoothing out relations with Saliba and reintegrating him into the side. Um, yeah, that would be the nuts. Now, Pete, we are moving on to something exciting about the podcast here, okay? We're talking about Patreon news. Yes. Oh. Pete, well, we teased you with it. We said that the Patreon was coming. There will be exclusive content for all of the pla- all of the all of the I don't know if we I don't know if we call the people that engage with our Patreon fans and our podcast fans, because they're not. It's a family. It's not fans. We don't have fans. We have family, okay? And if you do want to get involved with the Arsenal Opinion family, um, we love seeing you guys talking to each other in the comments as well, um, because we are building a bit of a community here, and it's not lost on us. Um, So we are dropping a Patreon. You can see it there on the screen, but for the people not, not, not watching this, you know, with the with the medium of the with the visuals right now, I'm going to drop it to you like this. It's www.patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. I mean, it's so. Johnny, what do they get? What do, what do you get? What do you get in the in this Patreon? What happens? Right now, there's a number of things that we have planned. I mean, for a start, one of the things we, we'd like to say that we've been listening over the last year, as well as you guys all tuning in. Um, we've been listening to the things that you've said that you've enjoyed, the things that we could maybe do more of. Uh, one of the things, for instance, I think seems to be universally recognised is um, the, the Perry Groves interview was sensational. Um, and we want to get players like Perry back onto the pod to be able to talk through not only his, his old experiences, but also what's going on with modern Arsenal. Um we, you know, and we certainly want to be doing that over the course of next season. Next season, we have 
not one set of games, but two set of games, because now we're back in Europe, the Europa League. So that's more on the whistle podcast. But the on the whistles will remain free. Um, we are committed to doing that. We love the fact that everyone can still engage with them. But we are going to do preview shows, and they are going to be for the Patreon uh, community. And we certainly want to get to a stage where we're engaging with you guys more, and you can help to particularly in things like the preview shows. You shape the narrative. You shape some of the discussion. What are you guys interested in us talking about? And what do you want to, you know, what are the questions that are really kind of striking you about Arsenal at any given time? Now, through the summer, it's obviously a lot quieter. It's a lot quieter when it comes to Arsenal news. Apart from the transfer news, uh, the transfer updates that like we're doing in this very pod here, I'm also committed to a new little series that I thought of while it is a, a, snow loop, a slow news six weeks. And that is, I've decided to do a little series that I'm going to run as a Patreon thing, starting from next Tuesday. And that is going to be Johnny Cochran's top 25 Arsenal players of the last 25 years. So it's loosely around the time when Arsene Wenger joined the club. And it's going to give you a bit of an insight into my footballing kind of ideology and what I appreciate the most about football, the players that I've appreciated the most. So we're going to be detailing the top 25 Arsenal players of the last 25 years from Johnny Cochran's perspective. We'd love you guys to be engaging not only um, with by listening, but also engaging via Patreon. You can get involved in the discussion um, and that's starting from next Tuesday. And that is just for Patreon people. So, yeah, we'd love it if you guys could help support us and help support the pod. We're giving this a go now. We want to keep bringing you uh, Andre Santos. Matt Candela has said, look, I'm, I'm not going to confirm or deny whether Andre Santos is getting in that top 25. Stop trying to look for spoilers, Matt. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about him earlier, actually, Andre Santos. What a... Oh, my goodness. What a player. Um, but yeah, in general, if you can continue to support the pod, not just by listening, but if you can uh, become a patron, we would seriously, seriously appreciate it. It'd be fantastic. Um, and if you, you know, uh, want to just keep engaging with the pod, then, you know, that's that's fantastic as well. Any, any engagement that you're giving us is supporting this pod and keeping us uh, on the path to doing more of these. And so hopefully, yeah, hopefully people get on board. But either way, your support is appreciated. Wonderful. So we are Patreon. We're going to do it in the summer. Uh, it doesn't affect the on but the whistle next season. They can do it, it from be... now, though. They can sign up literally from now. Patreon.com. Sign up from now. Forward and then slash. Get... Yeah. Whatever forward slash it... the Arsenal opinion. Yeah. Forward slash the Arsenal opinion. I'll put it on the on Legrove.com. Matt Candela is going to do some writing. Uh, Johnny might do some writing as part of it, but we'll keep it interesting. Uh, we'll keep it fresh. Uh, anything you can do to support the pod would be incredible. All right, Johnny. Well, I feel like we've gone through all of the news. Apparently, Eddie has signed a 100k a week, five-year deal. Uh, listen, I think it's worth it. 22 years old, better than letting him go on a free. Yeah, and do you know what? The, un- the other thing about that deal, for the people like five years, five years of Eddie, if, he, if this last you know, few months has been a bit of an aberration and he goes back to maybe form that we'd seen before, that seems like a long time. But ultimately, let's look at it glass half full. If he goes on to start rampaging, you need a nice, nice long contract 
in case he starts wanting to leave, for us to leverage, you know, outside in any future transfer dealings. And at the end of the day, if he has a couple of good years and someone else wants to come calling or he, he kicks off and he wants to leave, then when you've got a player contracted for a further three years, that only improves your position to get big transfer fees, which is some of the rarest Pokemon in, at Arsenal Football Club. You can't get them good transfer fees for love nor money. And just, you know, I, I stuff that I've heard about Eddie and Ketia trains really hard, uh, exceptional attitude behind the scenes, never complains. And we do have moaners at Arsenal. And for me, the biggest thing that Eddie and Ketia did this season, when he was called upon after being extremely disrespected by Arteta this season, he he could have just given up. He could have he could have down tools like the players at Man United did, and he didn't. He put in the effort and he delivered. And that's that's all you want. That is that is a that is a focused attitude. So I'm I'm really happy that he signed. All these people that are like, oh, we should have given him 82 grand a week. Get out. Get out with that accountancy chat. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Securing your young players, um, especially when they're English, it, it just goes a long way. It means that we don't have to flap around with like quotas and all of those other bits. Um, so I'm ex- I'm excited, and we've got another Haylender in the system. So now now it's less work to do. It's another 25 million we don't have to spend, uh, and then we don't have to take the risk on a striker from a Pats and Daka coming in and scoring five goals over a Premier League season, uh, despite everybody saying that he was the next best thing. So uh, good news for Arsenal, and a nice way to finish the podcast. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Thank you to everyone who has watched this live, and thank you to everyone who is currently doing the audio medium right now and listening wherever you are some people we know like to schedule runs to listen to our podcast you're probably running after someone right now thinking about eddie kruger um whilst you're running for a public park and you know that it feels great that we could make your your run go that little bit smoother um that is the end of the podcast uh, if you do want to follow us on our socials as always if you don't, ain't following the grove by now i don't know what you're doing and I'm at I, Johnny Cochran, so all that's left to do is say... Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>